Let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love. And may my words and our hearts together glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I want to tell you the truth. Um, I've always been a little fascinated by people who elect to go on a hunger strike. I mean, who voluntarily says they don't want to eat? You got to be kidding me. But across time, people have done that. The British and American suffragettes, uh, they fasted in order to change voting laws, went on a hunger strike, several of them. In Ireland, hunger strikes have deep roots in Irish society and in the Irish psyche and is seen as fasting in order to bring attention to injustice. It was a common feature of early Irish society and exi has existed even into the 20th century. And then, of course, Mahatma Gandhi engaged in several famous hunger strikes to protest <coughs> British rule, the British rule of India. So a hunger strike is a method of nonviolent resistance in which participants fast as an act of political protest, usually with the objective to achieve a specific goal. But when I think about hunger, hunger strikes this morning, what I think about as we begin our 40-day Lenten journey, in which many people decide to fast, actively fast from something, often food, though we don't really speak of fasting much anymore, do we? So I just have to wonder, what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? In our scripture this morning, we learn that Jesus is on a hunger strike as evidenced by the first temptation offered by Satan. Now, I, before we go any further, I have to clarify a few things. Okay? The first is, I hope you don't get hung up on this idea of Satan. I mean, rather consider that what feels like a literal devil who converses with Jesus, think of that as a, as a literary device, right? What we're talking about here is evil. Evil manifest in creation. Evil dedicated to distracting Jesus from what is most important. Right? And that should be a clue for us. That really, when we encounter evil, it is about distracting us from something that we otherwise should be attending to. And evil um, is also, uh, the other thing I don't want you to get distracted about is the 40 days. Don't get distracted about that. I know it's a long time. It's a long damn time when you're fasting. I just want you to <laughs> So uh, in the ancient scriptures and the ancient imagination, 40 was both a shorthand way of saying a long time and a way of resonating with other key 
40s in Israel's spiritual history and sacred memory. The flood, 40 days of rain, Moses, 40 days without food on Mount Sinai, Elijah's 40 days without food as he journeyed to Mount Horeb, and Israel's 40 years in wilderness wandering. All of that comes together in this story of Jesus. The underlying idea here is that God works through signature forms of time and of space. And after 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, well, Jesus was hungry. Hungry for food, real food. And not just hungry for food, but hungry for the things that would nurture his soul. Hungry for an insight. I mean, perhaps the whole reason he went into the desert wilderness. For an insight to discover who he really is and is to become. One common way of interpreting Jesus' temptation is to cast him as a hero, piously and with fortitude resisting Satan's temptations, uh, Satan's temptations to comfort him. You're hungry, go ahead and eat. You can make that happen. For security, prove you're God's beloved. Let God's angels rescue you. And to power and glory, all this can be yours. All of this. So, you might say that Jesus is hungry for some other things that have turned around in his head and in his heart while wandering in the wilderness. That maybe he's thought about the power of God within him and thought about what that might look like and how is he supposed to be the Messiah, and what does that mean, right? But Matthew's uh, story points in a different direction from being a hero with great fortitude. I mean, for Matthew, Jesus is a child of God, certainly, but also the child of humanity, who we often call the human one, or we could say the fully human one. What emerges from this story, then, is a picture of a human being not as an in independent actor over and against God, but rather as a humble creature made for reliance on God, for sustenance, for loving kindness, for guidance. This story, then, is far more than a heroic self-reliance. It is rather about a humble communion and trust in God. Again, a lesson perhaps we could learn here. You see, Jesus declines to pursue the path of self-reliance, testifying instead to his own insufficiency apart from God. Only God, he says multiple times. Only through God's work. Only God. So what are you hungry for as we enter this Lenten season? Oh, and this is not just about food. Though, as our first lesson points out, there are plenty of people surrounding us in sight of this church, I would believe, who are truly physically hungry. And keeping them in mind, and by doing so, we might make it possible for us to draw closer to God 
which is the primary purpose of Lent after all. But what are you truly hunger for, hungry for? And what is behind that hunger? Behind it, what is behind it? Fear, power, control, doubt, anger, ego. What is it behind the things you are hungry for and that get hold of you and you can't let go? Does fear cause you to hunger for security? Does power cause you to hunger for wealth? Or control? <laughs> cause you to hunger for having all things? In charge of all things? So consider then that overcoming temptation really is not about obeying the rules. I just want to make that clear. It's about identifying our underlying motives about the choices that are set before us and about taking the ones that make us fully human. And by doing so, drawing closer into this relationship with God, which means into closer relationship with others. And perhaps we can here take a page from the monastics. I love this. They teach that temptation is not something to be avoided. In fact, following Jesus into the desert, who, remember, by the way, was led there by the Holy Spirit, monastic choose to go the other way, straight forward into it. In short, we go into the desert and face our hunger with the same goal that led Jesus into the wilderness. That makes the temptation a little bit better to deal with, right? I mean, it's not about trying to force your way through it. It's about recognizing it and seeing it and learning what it's teaching you. So why then Lent and why 40 days? Well, it seems to me that it's about mirroring Jesus' experience in the wilderness, a time to let the light of truth reveal our motivations, to recalibrate our lives, and to reorient ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ and children of God. On our journey toward the resurrection in this season of Lent, we have a chance to discover our identity as beloved children of God. Jesus' three responses don't just debunk the Satan's temptations, they effectively declare the good news of the gospel. Yes, God loves you and loves all of us. Yes, God is the one we are made to trust with humility and grace for nourishment, love, and guidance. Yes, even as we face our hungers, physical and psychological, and travel through the wilderness, every good gift in our lives is our daily bread for which we can give thanks and for which we can pray for. Then perhaps, then perhaps, we end our hunger strike. Thanks be to God. Amen.